man, there were nights shit happens. Someone can't show up to this job. I'm waking up, going You're to, the uh, one going in there to going clean. to work, leaving at 4 a.m. to get there at 5 a.m. to go to Carlsbad to work because I was working East Coast clients. So I'm working five to one. Then I'm going home, having a little bit of time with the family. Then I'm going to clean a job at 7 p.m. Then I'm going to clean a job at 11 p.m., going to bed at 2, waking up again at 4. So it didn't happen too often because we finally got some systems in place of people who knew what they were doing. But it's like, welcome to entrepreneurship, man. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. All right, we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. I'm super excited about our guest today. Just to let you know, today's episode is brought to you by Moved30, M-O-V-D30.com. It is a momentum program designed to create performance in entrepreneurs. Check that out. But right now, we have got an awesome guest, Mr. Michael Howard with Jetsetter one of the leading provider aviation companies in North America. What's up, brother? How you doing? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. It's GML. Dude, dude, I'm pumped, man. I'm glad you were able to make it, man. I know we always get uh, we get busy, but I, I appreciate you uh, coming and hanging out with me for a while, dude. How's the, yeah, uh, how's the week been handling you? It's been busy. Like we were chopping it up a minute ago, and I'm, dude, it's 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 getting busy. It's it's funny because with the aviation industry, on every like every industry. I mean, I was in the gym industry. I was in uh, retail, stuff like that. There's there's trends and there's there's different seasons. Same goes for us. Um, we're kind of considered to be the slower times in January, February. And then uh, once Easter comes around, March starts to pick up and then summer travel. And then we get back into the holidays and it's just Royal Rumble once we get into September, September, October. Dude. Let's 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 pull this curtain back, dude, because in uh, a lot of these episodes that we do, we try to find what's the evolution, right? Like, how do we get yeah. there? Maybe some of the skill sets that you've learned. But I'm going to kind of pull back a little bit and see if you can get this, but and see kind of where were you at in your life? Uh, maybe you can identify a little bit of that. But I'm a, you made a post a while back said, shoot me your jersey orders. Menzel, Mac, Clowney, now available. Sorry, no charger draft picks that they won't sell ordering tomorrow. Hit my inbox. Dude, what, what were you doing? That? What year was that? Take a guess, bro. I'm going to throw this at you just to see if we – what's your guess? It's anywhere between 2005 and yesterday's post saying who needs a jersey on March ah, 10th. Ah, that's pretty good. So you're still crushing it. So 2014. Okay, yeah. Dang, that's crazy. That's – yeah, nine years ago. So funny thing about jerseys is I was randomly buying jerseys in high school. Like this was the thing back then. This was when – Nelly was dropping hot in here and every rapper in the game mm. was wearing a jersey backwards or something yep. like that. I remember that. And I've always I've always been a, a huge sports fan. So I was like, let me get my jersey. Let me get a custom one. Let me get this. Where can I get it? And I had a friend in high school who was – he's like, my dad can get jerseys, this and that. So finally I was sitting there and I was like, how do you get all these jerseys? Because he had them all over the garage. Finally he's like, hey, I get them, I get them overseas um, from a vendor who basically makes the jerseys there. You can't tell the difference and I can't tell the difference. If I take a Jersey of mine or what I was getting back then into the uh, mall, say we go to the random mall gallery or whatever and compare the two, you're not going to find a difference because they're probably getting it from the same place. First of all. Um, but when you're looking at 50 bucks or so on my end per Jersey versus 150 to 300 per Jersey, everyone's going to come to you. So I was like, all right, let me find out who this vendor is. Yeah, so yeah. 
I was like, dude, I've been buying multiple jerseys. Let me just kind of dabble in this. I've been selling things my whole life. Like my biological father lives down in Rosarito and has for since I was 12 years old. And I would go and literally buy bags of candy of like those Mexican lollipops and bring them into the States and sell them at school. And it evolved into, I'm old enough now where I won't get in trouble or get suspended, but I was brass knuckles, switchblade, stuff like that. Not bringing them to school, but like being able to buy them and sell them. My friends like, hey, I want brass knuckles. Cool, man. I get them for 10 bucks. They're only 40 bucks. You want them? Yeah. Yeah. I look back on it. It's pretty stupid. I'm smuggling brass knuckles and harpoon (laughs) guns and fireworks and stuff like that. You're responsible for 22, 22 broken jaws. In the year of 2009. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but then I finally got the, the the name of the vendor when I was a senior in high school and was able to email back and forth and getting jerseys. I was selling 10 at a time to get one free and I was kind of selling them at cost because I was get, getting them at a great price. Well, great price at the time. But now I look at it and I'm pushing 250 to 300 jerseys a month. Um, marking it up just a little bit because I still get a free one per amount of order and stuff. So I put about two to three hours of work into it. And then the shipping method of it, people pay for shipping and stuff like that. But it's just a good source of income, especially because you have baseball players, football players, NFL players. We're in the midst of it right now. Aaron Rodgers might be going to the Jets. Derek Carr just went to the Saints. All those Derek Carr fans have Raider jerseys. They might want a Saints jersey now. Or all the Drew Brees fans who were Saints fans got a new quarterback. They might need a new Saints jersey. So there's always a lot of turnover as far as new jerseys coming in and players coming in and out with the draft picks. That's why I brought it up. Don't ask me for the draft picks because that day on 2014, I can almost guarantee it was in April. Um, it was the day of the draft. May, if May you go 14th. back and look at that post, it was in May April four, because May 14th. I get, May 14th? Okay. Anywhere between April to june 1st people will text me and kid you not they'll say bryce young on april 27th when the draft is this year bryce young has been selected first overall Boom, to jersey whoever it is i'll get a text five minutes later hey can you get a bryce young jersey bro he hasn't signed the contract yet no like give me a little bit of time like but that so that's where that says don't ask for draft picks yeah. yet because people will ask me as soon as they see that guy walk across stage and his name called they're asking me for those jerseys. How do you how do you get, get your clients? Is it just over the years you've just kind of met uh, a bunch of people? Everything is, turned in? Everything's word of mouth. But over the years now, I used to do like Jason. You need one jersey? Cool. I'll send you a jersey. Yeah. Now people don't even do one jerseys now. I have about forty to fifty people who've made a business for themselves and marking up from what I give to them. Wow. So I'll get jersey orders of 40 or 50 for just one person, and they're reselling on their end. Because once again, I'm getting it at a great price. They're getting it at a great price. And even if they sell it for double, the client's still getting it at a great price. Mm-hmm. And then you have a you, you have a consistent flow. Of, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's It's because it's, it's seasons. It's always mm-hmm. like... A, it's always like a what's it called a um, baseball season, football season. Mm-hmm. Everything's yeah. different. So, like my yeah. order on the tenth is a majority of baseball people. Um, some people are getting ready for the NBA finals that come in. I think it's in June or so. But aside from that, um, did you build a system around this, or have you always just kind of ran it off of like a you have fifty people they text message you? You kind of just have this like uh, 
I don't know how to say like, there's so many ways. And as you've, uh, I'm sure since the beginning of this business, you know, you evolve these processes and systems and all these different things. But in that business, did you ever escalate it to, you know, just order everything online or do you just keep it pretty organic? Every, yeah. So everything is, everything is an order online. Um, as far as on my end with my vendor, I have spreadsheets and different type of systems on my end of who orders what, this profit, everything like that. But to be honest with you, back in the day, it was um, tedious work. Like I'm writing down on a piece of paper who wants what, what size, what color, this <laughs> yeah. and that, checking it off when the stock list comes in. Now I have certain things that merge and uh, a little bit of a better process, but it's it's literally – it's 50 50 each month. I'm like, do I really want to do this? It's taking, okay. It's only taking two to three hours of my time, but we're making this much doing this, but still it's like, sometimes it's even tedious of just doing that two to three hours of work where I've even thought about giving the business to a family member or something like that, just so they can have a stream of income. Cause whether it's there or not, it's not going to make or break me. Uh, but it is, it is good source of income to have coming in, just knowing that all you're doing is, providing jerseys for people on that aspect. Well, I know we were talking a minute ago um, how you had kind of done some, you'd moved a little bit and then we were talking, I always make a joke in the green room, <laughs> but you basically uh, you, um, you know, you had told me a story how you had moved to Los Angeles and during that time um, you were doing some work and then it had evolved you into actually working out at a crunch uh, Jim. And I think that this is really cool to hear in these stories because business owners, I'm going to let you share the story, but to lay it up a little bit, I think that this is interesting is because the stories that business owners have many times are they end up going to work somewhere and then they start to see other people recognizing their work ethic or their skill set, or sometimes even just their, their energy of being around. I mean, I don't know if you've hired people just in a sense, if I've had people just stay with me, even in other businesses, because their energy is just so good. And yeah. so as you Absolutely. had moved, as you had moved over and you had discussed LA, maybe you could share the story about how you'd got yourself involved in crunch and then ended up opening multiple locations here in San Diego. Yeah. So I was telling you earlier, I went to college. I went to community college. I was so passionate about it because my parents were like, yeah, I go to college. I was like, sweet. So I picked the, the community college out here and I went there and I got a, a, a sticker that said Cuyamaca College. And then I bought a Harvard University um, sticker. So across the back of my card said Cuyamaca University. Kind of just a joke within the town. Um, so I went to school for a couple, I mean, I would say a month or two, this and that. And uh, some of the classes, I just stopped going. Dude, what'd you like, go oh. to? What would you take? Sign language was the only class that I followed through with. That was the only class I followed. <laughs> I don't mean to, I didn't mean to laugh about that. Are you I serious? Loved I loved every part about it because it was in we didn't write anything. We Dude. didn't have to do any type of writing. It was just all memorizing signs. And I was there was a point where I was almost fluent in sign language. I could still hold a conversation with a deaf person right now. Are you serious? That's like incredible. Like, uh, yeah, stuff like that. I can sign my name and talk to people and have a conversation. If you don't know it, you can just spell it out um, for the person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I stuck with that. The rest of it, I just stopped going and I would find something to do in between that time because my mom thought I was still going to college. Uh, Dude, I took accounting at 7 a.m one of the first things that I ever took. And I'm like, I'm taking this on. And like, dude, I probably went three weeks and then I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I stopped going. And finally, when the semester was over, 
my mom's like, hey, did you get your classes for next semester? I was like, no, I'm not going. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So they're stressing as parents, and I get it 100%. Yeah. What's he going to do? He's not going to college. He doesn't have a job. Um, we had a friend who was in construction, and they got me into uh, fire sprinklers, like installing pipes, fire sprinklers. Mm. If you look up, you see fire sprinklers everywhere on uh, commercial buildings. So I worked in the shop for two months. They're like, it's going to take a year for you to get out into the field and actually wrench some pipe, doing the sprinkler fitter um, academy, becoming an apprentice, stuff like that. Well, the guy that I was linked up with, a family friend, he was very high up in that company. And he was like a longtime journeyman running multiple jobs. Within three months, they're like, hey, you're in the field on Monday. I'm like, I thought this was going to be like another eight, eight months, nine yeah. months. They're like, no, go get your uh, car hearts, go get a hard hat, this and that, and you're good to go on Monday. Man, it was it was tough. It was different. It was a whole shell shock. I've never done hard labor like that before in my life besides like stuff around the house. I'm on boom lifts. I'm on this. I'm like, dude, what did I get into? So fast forward. And those guys, road. those guys are the same guys 40 years later trucking. Isn't that yes. cool? I oh, mean, those amazing. guys. Those guys so are much dogs, man. I have so much respect for them, 100%. So much respect for them. So fast forward a little bit. I ended up breaking my hand. Um, I had a little bit of a surgery right here, a little plate put in and everything. And I realized I was milking it for a little bit because I was young and I'm collecting all this money just because I was making great money as a 21-year-old, 20-year-old. Yeah. And I'm like, 20 man. bucks an hour. Yeah. Dude, I started in the field at like 28 an hour. Damn. So – Living at home on on our granny flat, which was like a hundred square foot, basically, yeah. like it barely fit my bed, the TV, and the air conditioning I put out there. But it was like cool. Rent's Making only forty five hundred five grand a month. Yeah, two hundred fifty bucks. My parents charged me to stay there, which was at the time I was like, man, okay, I got to pay rent. I'm living with you guys, but they're like, no, you're an adult. Do this. I was like, okay. So. Did that, broke my hand. Then all of a sudden, I was like, I can't do this the rest of my life. I ended up uh, getting a job at Costco. So I'm like, all right, I'm on the path right now where I don't have a college degree. I'm working at Costco. I'm making my way up the chain because I had a couple connections there too. And all of a sudden, I was like, let me, what's like the easiest way to come up in this company and not really have to do like the most amount of work? They put me in maintenance. So I'd either take mm. out the trash or go fix stuff. I'm like, I have a, background of being able to fix stuff because i was not fixed up but like i was in construction so whatever they throw my hand go yeah you're putting some tight spots to have to yeah that makes sense and i wasn't on the floor checking i didn't want to be a checker that wasn't my goal but it was like let me come up through the backside of this and become a manager throughout like around this instead of a clerk running the front doing all that stuff so yeah they opened up a gym near me crunch fitness the first one in san diego i ended up getting a membership and they were like, hey, what do you do? I was like, oh, I was shooting the shit with the owner. He's like, well, I was pretty high up at 24-hour fitness. He was basically number two at 24 before the big buyout back in 2000. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Mark Mastroff. And um, he's like, why don't you come work for me for a little bit? And I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm at Costco doing this. He's like, how much you make there? I told him. I said, but managers make this much. He's like, well, you're not a manager yet. Why don't you come do this, this, and this? So finally, we ended up talking. I ended up working a couple of days a week there. Then I was doing really well. I was selling memberships. I, I mean, they kind of sold themselves, but I started selling, attaching upsells of personal yeah, training on people. For sure. Like, man, why don't you become a manager here? How much do you make? How much does a manager make at Costco? And at the time, this is years ago, 
seven, eight, it was 2014, 15, something like that. I was like, they, they're like 55 to 60,000 as a manager. Mm-hmm. In my head, that's like what I needed. I was like, this is all I need. If I have a family, this and that, I'm cool. I'm yeah. single right now. I'm not married. Or I wasn't single. I was like, I'm not married yet to my wife who's now. But I was like, 60 grand, that's awesome. Without a college degree. He's like, hey, I could start you at 72 as a GM. I was like, well, do I start today or tomorrow? Like, I'll leave, Crunch- <laughs> I'll leave Costco right now. I'll leave Costco so, right now. <laughs> I ended up leaving Costco. I put my two weeks in, did Crunch for a while, ended up opening up multiple locations over a couple of years and went with that whole organization for a while. And to the point where I was making six figures and I'm like, man, without a college degree, making six figures, this is awesome. We opened up a crunch in Carmel Valley, which is a pretty wealthy area um, Mm -hmm. in Northern California, or sorry, uh, Southern California and North County. And a guy walks in, or sorry, a girl walks in. Well, really quick, just just really quick, I I wanted to kind of just break this down just real quick. Um, What was Crunch's selling points um, as an organization? Because I know that it was like 24 hour had 24. Orange Theory has Orange Theory. What was Crunch's selling point? Was it short workouts? What was it that they're focused? They had different types of machines and like um, as far as the machine rows, like a power circuit type stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it was a really low ticket. You were paying anywhere. The the original smaller boxes was $9.95 membership. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I always laughed at Planet Fitness because it's not like for someone who wants to work out there, but you see the the role or the, uh, the demographic they're going after is... I could pay you have an overweight person who doesn't work out. They're like, let me get a gym membership. It's only $9.95 a month. They know they're not going to go there. Yeah. They know they're not going to go there. And if they had all the you get seven to ten thousand members who are signing up, which they do at these planet fitnesses, if all those people went there, it'd be an influx. They wouldn't be able to support it. But the demographic that they go after, having pizza Mondays, having bagels, all this food out for these people, it's going to attract a little bit of people in there. But it's it's high volume for a low cost expecting these people not to show up. Uh, and but the people do like-, like to buy those things um, yes. because people like to buy things that they can. Like if someone says, I'm, I'm going to lose weight and they have a gym membership because they always have access to the decision they want to make. Would you agree? A hundred percent. And like, it's, it's almost like, it, yeah. What is that? They don't go. And yeah. Yeah. That's go. what I mean. It, yeah, they exactly. can justify they can justify yes. it to themselves that it's nine ninety five a month. I'm not going to cancel it. I'm not canceling. This is only ten bucks a month. I'm going to start going, and they never go. It's freedom. It's it's yes. it's the ability to it's buying access to something, yes. and then you. It's exactly. almost like saying I, I've expanded my backyard. <laughs> and then you just there like for go. ten bucks, I could kind of go to that place, and I kind of got a spot there. Okay, so this, so this guy kind of comes in. There's always a guy, right? There's always like some mysterious person in our lives that just like pops out of nowhere and you're like, well, what are you doing the here? funny thing about it, <laughs> it happened was, to me at first it was a girl lady mm. walks in she's all done up we were connected to a uh to a restaurant have you seen the crunch in pacific highlands ranch i have not it used to be a west route next to a very nice bar high end this lady walks in who looks like a barbie doll she's like hey i just want to look at the gym i'm not going to buy anything and i'm like Okay, let's go. Let's go look. We talked for an hour. She ended up spending $5,000 in personal training for herself. Leaves. I'm like, I love it. I just like made a good commission off of that. We're good to go. Yep. Hour later, this dude walks in, mid-30s, 
he's like, Hey, I need to talk to Mike. And I'm like, uh, I'm Mike. Hey, what's up? He's like, my wife came in here. Immediate thought in my head is cancellation. I'm like, he's pissed. She sold, spent five grand, this and that. He's like, yeah, my wife said I needed to come meet you. You're good at talking. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's, let's talk. You want to see the gym? Walks around, ends up talking to him probably for about 30, 30 minutes. He spends $2,500 in personal training for himself. I'm like, man, this group, this Pretty family, good <laughs> his parents just spent $7,500 in personal training. And I talked to them for maybe an hour and a half total between the two. He sets his card on, on the desk that just has a jet on it. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, let's talk. I would love for you to come work for me. I'm like, I don't know who the hell this dude is, what he does. And he drives off in his Porsche. I'm like, all right. So this is kind of in my <laughs> The head. quintessential story, right? As he leaves, I'm watching As him with leaves, his riches. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, and to top it off, it's a metal business card that when he sets it down, he drops it a little bit and it makes that. Yeah, I did. You just met 007 kind of shit. You have my attention. So we end up going back and forth, this and that. And he tells me what he does. He he charters aircraft, private jets. I'm like, okay, sweet. That's cool. Um, at the time, Crunch was talking about getting new ownership, and they were talking about branching off, starting new brands, this and that. So I walked up to them, and I was like, look, man, I've been with you guys for seven years. I have a great salary. I would even be down to drop my salary a little bit, but I want in on the pie. I said, I have zero ownership here. I'm about to have a family. Um, I was married. I just got married at the time, and I was like, look, I need some equity. And they're like, let me think about it. They came back. They're like, we can't give you any equity. We can give you more salary. I was like, I don't want more salary. I want equity. This is kind of at the point where I was like, it's either take it or I'm out. Finally, I called the jet guy again. And I was like, look, man, let me come in and let me look at some P&Ls and let me see what's what's going on. His first thing was like, you haven't even interviewed, but I did say you can come check it out. But you're asking me about P&Ls. I'm like, you want me to make a career change? Yeah, dude. And you want me to just up and leave? He's like, all right. Plus you've gone. Plus you've gone through this now, like you've yes. gone through this story, right? You're like, okay, now I've moved. I've gone this process. Exactly. Is this my pattern? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the stakes are the stakes are higher now. Mm-hmm. The stakes are higher now because I have a wife. Mm-hmm. I had my first child that knew no one knew about was on the way, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, all right, this is going to be like a big decision. I'm making six figures now. I'm a. I just bought a house. Like mm-hmm. everything was like there of building that. And I was I was comfortable with what I had, so then I jump into it and uh, we we look at some stuff. Some numbers looked a little funky, but some of the margins on some of the stuff was like, oh my gosh, there's money to be made here. So I sit down with him and his business partner about a week later, and I said, look, man, no one knows this, but I have a kid on the way. I said, this has to work. This is 100% has to work. Like I have to make money. What are your goals on this? Where do you see me a year from now? Where do you see me five years from now? They were good at sales, man. They were good at sales because that I left that meeting and I was like, when do I start? Yeah. The kicker was the first three months, you're going to learn the industry at 1675 an hour. And I'm like, then I go into sales. They're like, yeah. And I was like, 1675 an hour, man. Like, I don't think I've ever worked at like an hourly like that before, except for when I was like in high school, like, yeah, going into something like it was something crazy like that. So I was like, you know what? I need to make this jump. So I sent my resignation letter to Crunch, talked to my wife at the time, 
And she's heard this story a couple of times now, so it's not like a what the heck. It was a what the heck at first, but it was like, hey, babe, guess what? I got this job opportunity. They're going to match my salary for the first three months, and then I'm going to get into sales, and I'm going to be making this much. She never knew about the sixteen seventy five that I was really making. I was trying to ease her mind just so she wouldn't be like, no, you can't do this, this, and that. We're not going to be able to make it. Like, no, we will. We'll be good. So I ended up taking it. I'm in the industry for a little bit, learning it. A couple of weeks in, just like the apprenticeship where they said, hey, after three months, you're you're going into the field. I thought it was going to take a year. Randomly, three or four, two and a half months into me learning the industry, one of the dudes doesn't show up. And I see the owner show up in the morning, 6 a.m. And I'm driving up to Carlsbad at the time, Palomar Airport. We're on the tarmac yep. in that office. Yep. He's all pissed off. He's like, hey, this I'm not going to say his name. He's like, so-and-so is not with the company anymore. You're in sales. Your phone's been turn t- turned over today. Man, this lady calls me in my first sales call, and she's like, hey, how much is it to go from here to here? I'm like, I don't know. What the, like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just got put into sales. To how, much, how much time do I like, have to figure this out? <laughs> yeah, so then I'm trying to do numbers in my head. And like, she's like, yeah, sure. you need this airport, this and that. It's going to be like $100,000. And then we hang up the call and my bo- the owner looks at me, he's like, probably closer to like 25, 30 grand, but hey, you're going to learn as you go. You're going to learn as you go. So I start learning as I go. I learned the ins and outs of the industry, different aircraft, stuff like this. Well, the, the, the culture kind of ch- changed there as I saw a lot of turnover and I started to see uh, some holes with payroll and stuff like this. Certain things aren't getting paid certain vendors are calling who own aircraft hey this isn't mm-hmm. getting paid taxes mm-hmm. aren't getting paid stuff like mm-hmm. that and uh i'm like man something's not right i always got my paycheck which was cool there were a couple times where we heard some some stories and start seeing tears come in and i'm just happy we're gonna make payroll i'm like oh we're making a couple hundred thousand a month how are we not gonna make payroll I'm like the hell so at the time i've always wanted to start my own company and my stepdad, he's been an entrepreneur for the past 25, 30 years. He's been in logistics, doing freight, um, has his own company. He's always told me, he's like, come to me with a business plan. And let's do something. Mm. Well, while I was at Crunch, our biggest um, hurdle was cleaning companies. Like we couldn't have a good cleaning company. Ever. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. And everywhere, it was funny. And now that I've been in the cleaning industry at the time, that which I'm going to jump right into right now is... Everyone hates their cleaning company. You call someone and say, hey, how's your cleaning company? They fucking suck, but they get the job done. But everyone hates their cleaning company. That's the same, that uh, the computer repair guy. <laughs> it's like, it's like exactly. oh, it, as your computer work, that damn guy couldn't fix my computer <laughs> for anything. Exactly. And then you, and then or you mechanic, won't. You, or you, mechanic too, the same. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so then I look back at it and I tell my dad on Thanksgiving 2016, 17, I said, hey, Let's uh start a cleaning company. He's like, you don't even clean your room. Why do you want a cleaning company? <laughs> I was like, we can make money and I can get us contracts. He's like, how? First thing I did is I went back to Crunch because I still had a good uh, oh, get all the gyms. Um, good connection with all the owners and stuff. And I said, hey, give me all the cleaning contracts for all five gyms. Let me take a look at them. We looked at all of them, undercut every single one of them, was able to get an employee who I took from the Crunch, who mm. was not a Crunch employee. I put her on my payroll, paid her more, and uh, gave her more hours of what she wanted. And that's kind of what started my entrepreneurship journey. Mm. 
but it wasn't like, hey, you just start a cleaning company and you have an employee that go do all the work. Man, there were nights, shit happens. Someone can't show up to this job. I'm waking up, going to uh, going in there to going clean. to work, leaving at 4 a.m. to get there at 5 a.m. to go to Carlsbad to work because I was working East Coast clients. So I'm working five to one. Then I'm going home, having a little bit of time with the family. Then I'm going to clean a job at 7 p.m. Then I'm going to clean a job at 11 p.m., going to bed at 2, waking up again at 4. So it didn't happen too often because we finally got some systems in place of people who knew what they were doing. But it's like, welcome to entrepreneurship, man. You'll be working yep. 365 days. You're going to get those calls. Something floods. Hey, yep. come fix this. Hey, this looks like shit. Come repair it. I'm like, okay. So cleaning company started doing pretty well. I never touched a dollar of that. Everything mm. went either to um, marketing, just building up that, uh, um, what's it called, bank account that we had. Mm -hmm. And then finally I went to the owner and I was like, look, man, um, of the jet company, I said, I see what you're doing wrong. We need to fix it on this end. He's like, well, if you think you could do it better, why don't you just do it yourself? And I was like, all right, cool, sweet. Here's my phone, here's my computer. And I was done. All my oh, shit he kind of give you. He kind of gave you that kind of. Uh, if you think you can do it better, that kind of like, exactly challenging mentality, and you're like, well, maybe exactly, I can. exactly. And he knew that I had my cleaning company going on, so he's like, go jump into your entrepreneurship, go do what you want to do. Mm. Like, okay, cool. Following day, I opened up Jet Setter, and uh, finally, and that, when we that's got an interesting conversation because um, I had a question. What what was it like starting a plane? charter business as i went through and i started to do some of my just due diligence and saying okay what's logistics on on these things i started to look at insurance liabilities to the plane and then i started reading through your website and saying that you actually just detach from liability that the actual plane and the provider of the plane they hold the insurance policy from what i understand and so you are more or less on the outside as the broker that brokers the deal. Correct. And then they are responsible for delivery of the service and the quality. And then I had other further questions, but is what were some of the things that you found through? I mean, that sounded so simple for everybody listening. I just started a jet company the next day, but I'm sure you had some things going. <laughs> yeah. No, what were some so of the I, hurdles that you went through in that transition? Because that's an interesting... Yeah, getting systems in place, knowing how to store my clientele, how how to get quotes out and finding everything that went into it of what I was doing at the old company, but doing it the correct way on my own. So I think the honestly, the biggest hurdle was putting a schedule in place for myself, waking up that first day mm. of not having a boss for the rest of my life, going like, okay, well, what am I going to do today? Well, how am I going to get a lead? Wait, they were providing leads for me. Oh, shit. How am I going to get this? How am I going to do? Okay, let's start writing stuff down. I went into business with my stepdad with the cleaning company, and I went in with him with the um, the jet company. He's been in logistics for 25 years. So when he had that talk with me, of like, this is simple, man. Like, we're doing the same thing that I've been doing for 25 years with aircraft. Logistics, you're just moving people. You're moving freight. Now you're just moving people. So once he kind of dumbed it down for me and kind of eased my nerves and stuff, I was able to like brainstorm and say, okay, this is what I need. This is what I need. This is what I need. And start putting those systems in place where they all just merged together and it started producing profits and stuff like that. And we started making money, but I used every dollar of that cleaning company to start Jet Setter. 
So that Got was the it. cool thing. I didn't have to take out any loans or anything like that. You parlayed. Like, yeah. And then, yeah. and then I'm assuming, you know well, I don't know. Did you sell it? Did you sell the, did you sell the route or did you just say, look, we're just going to close and move on? With the cleaning company, it was cool because I was able to transfer a lot of my contracts over to somebody who I trusted and was able to get a little bit of something off that at the beginning. And then finally it was like, I, I helped this girl start her cleaning company. So being able to transition it over to my my baby over to her as she's growing hers, it was just more of like a, a, a friendly type of thing when we did it outside because it was only a couple of months of where we were collecting something off of it. And we wanted to make sure it was a smooth transition for our clients because a lot of those people were first-time clients. Well, they were mm -hmm. at one point a first-time client for us, but we had a couple of years with them. So it was like, hey, we're leaving. We're giving this person. We trust this person, but we're hoping they do the same job. You know what I mean? So after seeing overviewing it for a couple of months and seeing that there wasn't any anything Pickups. wrong, I think, they, I think only one one uh, account didn't stay and it wasn't because of that they just had someone who was kicking at the door while we were there mm -hmm. and it just happened to be a good smooth transition for them where they gave that person an opportunity because they were swinging so hard when we were there so did you so you took him so you took your uh father-in-law into this new partnership with jet yeah. center yep very and cool. he, runs all, he runs all, yeah he runs all my back-end accounting and he's our cfo yeah he runs back-end accounting he sends our wires he collects payment he runs card for us. Um, and at the time it was just me and him. I mm. I was doing the marketing. I was fishing for the leads, but now. What were some of the first things that you did? Um, I This was kind of a question that I was going to say is that it was this one of those things that was difficult to get going. And then once you met the right people, like I'm a, well, you probably started making some relationships when you were working for the other gig. Um, but so yeah i had a good i had a good book of business when i left yeah. um luckily for california there's non-competes out here um mm -hmm. we just were firsthand uh victims i would mm -hmm. say yeah we, we, we were in a three we were in a three-year lawsuit with my uh my last employer and Got it. now i'm totally fresh clean out of it because like i said it's california it's a competitive state so all the things that we were told we weren't allowed to do um finally is over with uh, but it was, but it's so good. you're saying you were allowed to do it. Oh yeah. If I was in a different state, I wouldn't have been able to do everything that I'm doing. You're not really because you're in a non-compete. Yes. It's an interesting but, conversation to have. And I think I'll just real quick, I thought I'd chime in on this that, um, I've been following a lot of this Twitter and Facebook and a lot of these social media platforms and watching them transition and do they copy each other? almost to the T over yeah. and over and over again. And I'm like, where, where is this middle ground between patent and um, uh, copy, not maybe copyrights, maybe copyrights. Um, but there's gotta be this thin line that like, we all assume the majority of people assume that you can't go do that because that person has the way that they're doing it. And I'm like, I think it was, what was it? It was a blue check that, Elon Musk put on the actual Twitter and he was going to charge him like, I think nine to $11 or eight to $11 or seven to 11. I think depending on if yeah. you're on the Apple app, you pay $3 if you're on the Apple app or something like that. And then now it was within see, like, now you see meta. Yep. that's what I was getting at. And then all of a yep. sudden you got, you got Mark Zuckerberg and he's like, Hey, we're going to pay this and you can play this verified. And then Elon Musk is like, 
his comment was it was inevitable <laughs> yeah, yeah but not really because you opened the door <laughs> yeah but i guess my point yeah. is that there's a lot of things and i think this is something and maybe this is something you deal with a business owner as well and i share with you kind of back a little just i think you know i was in the fashion business and i was kind of in the the original days of like uh, we were talking about metal militia and motorcycle ride and all of that like originality and there was a lot of creativity that came out and things like that there's sometimes these things that are with me that i'm like man i just i don't want to copy you know do you ever get that you're like oh, i just don't want to yeah. copy but a lot when you yeah, go to the next level it's happening yeah, yeah. it's just like it's it's like people i don't know about steal their ideas but the evolution is the actual growth into those new ideas and so i i think it's just interesting that you that you were able to take some things and that you weren't able to take other things well that, that was the main thing of why i started jet center too is one i learned the industry and i give all my a lot of my credit of learning that industry through that company but yeah, i sure. learned all the wrongdoing so when i started this company my whole thing was let me do all the things the right way if they can do if they can be successful doing the wrong way i know i can be successful doing the right way so you you do have to separate yourselves in an aspect like there's hundreds of charter companies out there, but if you're going to provide a little bit better than everyone else and you're going to separate yourself from everyone else, you're not really copying. Um, I mean, we're offering the same service, but are, are you sending catering on board with welcome notes? Um, a lot of my golfers that I fly, I'm sending them, I'm, I'm going, deep into it. And I, I don't care because people copy this. If you have clients and you're not in my industry, or even if you're in my industry, I'm calling, I'm finding out where their golf um, mm -hmm. home course is. I've yeah. done this before. I called their golf coach to find out what golf club they're going to get next, what golf club they need fitted to their size and have it in their bag when they get home. My clients are like, what the fuck? Like, they love shit is, like that. Borderline creepy, but it's like borderline like, man, this dude literally called my golf coach out of all people. He, I didn't just send him a bottle of alcohol. No, I got his I got his hybrid that he's been win wanting to get for the longest time sitting in his bag for his next golf round. So you got to over deliver on certain things because we're in the service industry. Um, we're, we're providing the jet. But man, next time you're flying on your jet or next time you need a jet quote, are you going to call the guy who just emailed you and mm -hmm. said, hey, I got this price, this price? Are you going to call the guy who put a golf club in your bag who's on a good – I text with them all the time. I'm good friends with a lot of the people that I fly. I think that's a really good thing for anybody listening to this to understand that you can – that go a little bit extra. Like, for example, I mean, you're going to probably receive it here in a couple weeks or whatever. But, like, even when you come on the podcast, I send you a shirt. I try to get you involved a little bit. And, you know, I think that – um, some of the things that you just said is like, dig a little bit deeper, you know, just dig a little bit and you'd be surprised what you can find on people. People express everything on Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, Instagram, you can find things that people love, you know, and oh, yeah. I, I have a really, someone actually came on the podcast, um, really cool guy. He ended up, um, coming out and we ended up having breakfast and just a cool dude. And we ended up hanging out guys done really well for himself. And, um, he we're sitting at breakfast he's like you know it's my birth you know it's my birthday man and i'm like man and i'm just thinking in my head like you know the older we get less people tell us happy birthday because it's just you don't get those big birthdays anymore yeah so i came back and 
you know, I had gotten a card and I got a, I knew he had saw on his social media that he loved whiskey. So I found a special whiskey and then I went to the hotel and dropped it off. And to this day, man, my relationship with him is just so solid and it's not kissing ass. I think what it is, is, is really involving yourself into finding something out of the ordinary that when people think about you, they think that person went the extra mile or when they, when that person grabs the club and he's like, dude, he's going to think about you. (laughs) Dating (laughs) one-on-one. And that's funny. That's one thing I pride myself on because I I hear it all the time and it really never gets old. People are like, man, Mike, Mike's the best gift giver. Mm. Like I try to, I try to like go deep into what like people like and like, make sure that that gift is around them. Like, man, if you like to get, like, I have friends who like tequila, um, man, I, what was the, the most recent gift? My buddy started a company in January and he's his first month. We were pushing on him. Like, man, you need to start this, this and this. He was waiting for like months, maybe even years, even before I knew him, he had the, in his head, he wanted to start. So he started January 1st and within 15 days, he made a thousand dollars profit. He's of, um, what's that? The bullet was that whiskey bourbon, mm. bourbon, sorry, bourbon. bourbon yeah. Bullet. I had a custom, uh, label for him made, had his company's name on it. First thousand dollars January. So it has his name and everything, his company, all that stuff on a bottle of bourbon. He's like, dude, this is one of the best gifts I think I've ever received. And I'm like, it's something small like that, but it's like, I love just like shocking people and being like, Hey, this is, this is valuable, man. Like, but it goes into business though. Finding out. It does. I, right now I'm working on one right now. Um, when people, they come through one of our programs or I'm like, how can I, cause I work with business owners and things like that. I'm like, how can I, can I make this easy where like I can go get their logo. If anybody's listening to this, I'll probably do this, but like, how can I use a shipping company that will print this and then on every one that somebody gets i can maybe find a logo and then can i throw my shirt and when i send it to them i put their logo on the shirt and by doing that immediately they're going to wear their own shirt 100 they're going to wear it with my logo on it as well that's, so that's try- one, yeah that's what i i forget who i heard this from it was in one of my masterminds that i was at mm. and they were talking about stop putting your logo on everything as a mm. gift to someone else. Because if you send them their logo, they're like, holy shit, he's he's thinking about me and not me just marketing towards him. He's actually caring about me right now. And he's using my logo on stuff. Like, oh, of course, there's certain things you're going to use your logo on. Uh, but if you give to the client their logo, they're like, they're blown away. But they're in a shock, right? It's like, whoa, I didn't yeah. order this or I didn't, yeah. you know, I didn't do that. What are some... Um, what, what are, I mean, I think that people on here, because you're dealing with, this is one thing that I was interested in asking is like, what what is the thing as you're flying people? I'm sure there's levels to the game, right? There's the guy that uh, flies every day. He's a business owner. It's just like, basically like, I, <laughs> it's, it's like getting in his car. And then there's the next level of people that are probably maybe sports figures, something like that. And then maybe the next yeah. level is, you know, you have musicians probably in that same category. And then you have those people that are like, okay, we're going to go to Vegas and let's get a plane together and let's go. So they put their money. And then there's those people in business now that there's this thing, I think that happens when you, maybe you fly, fly private or whatever that something happens to people. Have have you noticed that? Like something happens to people when they actually like 
like if you ever see anybody get on a Harley or you get on like get a Lamborghini or something like something happens to their physiology or whatever. Do you notice that when people tend to get their first experience on like a jet plane? What is that experience like for people? So it's funny. I always tell people we work with the two to five percent of the world because the one percent own their own jet. The other two to five. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. The other, the, the other two to five can afford it. Everything underneath it's really not in the not in the range yet of them. But I get the athletes. I work with a lot of uh, NFL, MLB, basketball players, hockey players, um, who it's 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 their form of transportation um, when they're not in season. It's their vacation. It's their going to see family type of stuff. Um, the biggest influx of people that we had over the past couple of years was the during COVID, mm-hmm. the people who could afford it but have never tried it. But then they got super ah, scared flying commercial. They got a taste of it. Once they got that taste of it, they were like, Ooh. okay, um, I can afford this. I like this. And it just changes something. It's like the first time flying first class for someone who's been mm-hmm. flying economy their Coach, whole life. Yeah. You get that first little taste of business class or first taste of first class. You never want to go back anymore. Yeah, That's kind of how it is with private. You kind of elevate yourself and you're like, man, I've been on this jet. It's different. I never want to do this again. I don't want to go through security again. I don't want to have to show up three hours again. Yeah, that's I want to I show thinking. up five minutes, shake that pilot's hand, hand them my luggage, get on the plane and pop a bottle of Feel like champagne. A yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think that, that there's something that probably happens to you. It's just like, I don't know, the air is a, there was a joke. It was a comedian. He's like, you guys always complain. You're like, Oh man, you're up inside a plane and you're like, oh God, my Wi-Fi is not working. I'm so pissed off. And the, the comedian was like, are you kidding me? You're in a hunk of metal going 400, you know, 500 miles an hour or whatever. And you're complaining yeah. about not having Wi-Fi. And I, I always think about that because I still, to this day, I don't know about you, dude. I know you're in it. It's easy to kind of over the, but sometimes I look up these planes I mean, we are both in San Diego. You're, but you go to like, little italy or something you sit in a restaurant you just watch them kind of fly over and you're like how's that how is this so consistent yeah oh yeah you know i I know there's science physics great that's fine but still i I used to work uh, up in carlsbad at palomar airport there's a little restaurant there called the landings i was just talking to someone Mm -hmm. about that right now and uh you just sit there and eat lunch and it's on the tarmac and you're watching planes go every five six minutes and i'm just like man this is crazy like not just that they're going every five like this jet right here is literally about to take off and go from point a to point b mm-hmm. and and then i start thinking in my head like man i've created a business around this of helping people to get from here to there but it's like how does this how then you start how? thinking about how many, how many planes are in the air i know man Dude, you ever been to mr a's yes I was at Mr. A's. I was sitting up there and it was the sun was kind of going down. And I just was sitting there for a while having some drinks or whatever. And just because the planes come right there. Yeah, like, you're looking at the view of them shoo, coming in. Yeah. Shoo, it's not- shoo, shoo. And I'm like, how are we not afraid? That's the international <laughs> airport. So there's more. It's every three, four Good minutes. Do, 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 do. And I'm like, wow, this is this is pretty amazing. What's your thoughts on people flying i know we brought this up but during the pandemic what what are your thoughts on how people should look at flying now what are some things that you have seen people in business should they make that turn because the flights are so weird right now yeah and it's funny too because in 
private versus commercial, there's always issues. There's always mm-hmm. issues. So like if your plane gets delayed with uh, private, or sorry, not with private, commercial, if you ever see planes delayed, oh, they're mm-hmm. switching planes. Oh, they're doing this. This flight got canceled. But that's because on the back end, there's an issue. There's a mechanical issue. The check mm. engine light came on. That all happens in private. That all happens. Not everything goes to plan. There was one mm-hmm. time I had three aircraft break down for a trip in one day. Like I wow. booked a trip, issue. Booked another jet coming from somewhere else, issue. Booked a third jet, a goddamn coming off of the off of the runway, a bird hit and broke the windshield, issue. It always happens. It always, or not, oh, sorry, it doesn't always happen, but yeah. there's always going to be an issue and you always have to prepare for it. But as far as the pandemic, it's cool because it's starting to stabilize with our industry. It was hard because you had that influx of people who were scared to fly. They had the money, they started doing it. So you had all the regular people, then you had all the people who had the money. So you're getting double the clientele. Well, they stopped all the production on aircraft. So you only had that inventory that they had at the time. Oh, that's right. Started right. Fuel prices are going up. This, like, oh, there's right. so many different things happening. The inventory wasn't matching the demand of aircraft at the, or matching the demand of the clients at the time. So it was hard to find stuff. Like, usually our bread and butter was like, if you need a jet, I can get you in an emergency in the air 90 minutes to two hours from a signed contract. So if you're like, hey, I need to be in Vegas. Cool, Jason. Be at the airport in two hours. I'll have a pilot and a plane there. Now it's like, man, you got to give me at least a week's notice because give me a couple days notice. It's going to be hard. You're going to be paying a hefty penny to ferry something over to you that's available that'll get you to your destination. You're paying for all that. So what mindset should somebody start to use as an owner, as an entrepreneur? What's the the mindset they should use to prepare themselves, say, look, I'm going to start maybe flying this way. Is there, and this is something that's, this happened to me. I can't remember if it was like, sounds so funny. I I don't remember if it was like dog insurance or something. (laughs) I can't remember what it was, but I was like, man, that's all I have to pay. And I could be covered by all of that. I think that there's a barrier of entry. And this is the discussion that I think you were kind of just happy, but there's this barrier of entry of getting into certain things. And I think that a, a chartered plane or a private, there's a lot of these things that we assume might not be right. What are some of those things that people assume that probably aren't right, that if they understood them fully, then they would use the service more often? I think first and foremost is that you're going to get sticker shock the first time you see a, a, a real quote. You'll sit here and people will tell you, oh, it's all, you'll see the the ads that pop up. It's almost as cheap as flying commercial, just if you have seven to 10 people, that's not the case. You, you see the real price and it's you get, you get a little sticker shock at first. But I think the mindset of being able to fly private and get to that next level is like with anything. The first time I flew first class, the first time I'm sitting there in first class, they're handing me a hot towel, a meal and stuff. My mind like changed. It was, I started reverse engineering in my head of how do I, how do I get to the next point in my life of where I can do this every single time? Mm-hmm. What do, what steps do I have to take to get there? And then, like I said, reverse engineer, I got to go from here to get to here. It's going to cost this much. I got to start here. Okay. I need to start making this much money. How am I going to do that? Same goes for private. First time I flew private to Vegas, I had a bottle of 1942 on there. We're with some friends. We're flying. I'm like, man, I don't want this 45 minute flight to ever end. But then Dude, I'm I sitting didn't. there. I don't want it to end out. It's, I felt like I was there for a second. <laughs> so in my head, man, I'm like, dude, 
how do I get to this point where this is the reg? Like, how do I get it to where I can not blink at spending 10 to 15 grand on a flight to go to Vegas and stuff like that? Is that, that what you say? Is it, is it, is it, do most people collectively put the price together and they say, oh, okay, I've got, it's going to, I mean, what's, an, what, what's, what's something like from here to Vegas cost? Depends on what type of aircraft, but I'd say the starting point, Eight if you want to be, yeah, 10 to 15 grand round trip, San okay. Diego, Vegas. For eight to ten people, yeah, uh, eight people, eight people. Once you get up to like the nine and ten, you got to use a pretty big jet. And uh, is that one way, or would it be both? Oh, we could do a round trip. We could do a round trip, ten to fifteen grand. Very cool. But it, but it's so you're thinking in your head. I already know you're thinking in your head right now. If we get eight people, we divide it by this, this, and this. I think that's a common breakdown for people. A hundred percent. I do it all the yeah. time when I think about a Vegas trip. Who will I know that wants to throw in fifteen hundred two sure. grand? And we can do this. A lot of these people are just families, man. That fly, or it's one person flying on this jet. So it's not like, hey, let me get so and so, so and so, so and so. This this tickets for the one person. They're they're paying this. Whether you fill it up with eight people, seven people, six people, one person, it's still the same price. So they they've kind of hit that. What barrier. was the? Uh, uh, this is kind of interesting. What was the energy like after Kobe Bryant went down? There was I, I know a lot of the back end stuff that went into that. Um as far too. as the flight plan and mm -hmm. shouldn't have been flying that day. I actually have a friend who's a client of mine who that's his helicopter pilot or what sorry, was his helicopter pilot and literally was posting he was flying with him just recently. So a lot I mean, it was kind of scary. Um I was heartbroken. That's the first time I've like watched interviews where I was like like in tears, like I'm really crying over a celebrity, but like looking at it, I'm like, man, this is, this is nuts. This is in my industry. I somewhere. was just going to say, it's not your, it's a helicopter. It's like, oh, it wasn't brother yeah. and sister, but it was cousin for sure. <laughs> but still, man, you, you guys yeah. don't see, I I'm on the forums left and right. And I'm in the industry. There's a lot of private stuff that I see or runway stuff or planes are hitting each other. They're not fatal and stuff, but like stuff does happen on that runway. Yeah. With mm -hmm. commercial and private running into each other here and there. It just happened up in, uh, I think it was Boston or New York last week. Um, a vendor that I know of um, in the industry happened to get close with the commercial. And it was like, man, this stuff does happen. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as the Kobe Bryant thing, yeah, it was um, it was a shell shock. But then I started yeah, I... like seeing what the, the what they were flying in. I'm like, yeah. man, why are you flying in that fog? And I get it. It's Kobe Bryant. If you're his pilot and he says, no, I need to get there, you're going to listen to him. Uh, but still. Well, from was, what I heard as well is that they, they had downed all the police uh, helicopters. And then what they do is there is a rite of passage where a lot of these guys will go through the clouds when, you know, this, oh, it's, you know, the, I don't say that's like setting off, setting down, I don't know, 500 aircraft or something like that compared to somebody just going out there and doing something on their own i think that that was the mentality it was like oh well us guys can kind of do this even though they because i think they didn't they they actually what's the correct term they downed it's probably not the right term but they uh so yeah down not down uh they stopped all flight patterns around that didn't they at the time didn't they stop people oh, yeah. there were everything people not flighting out yeah, the faa the faa grounded everything before it was grounded yeah. before yeah yeah 
Yeah, I guess the reason I was saying that is because it was probably something that was interesting for you because you're flying all these guys and you probably create relationships with sports figures and, you know, mm -hmm. people that are in the music industry, stuff like that. And yeah, they're, they're people too, you know? So at the end of the day, it's, you know, I'm sure that that kind of touched base with you. What would um, somebody that, you know, wants to fly and they want to get a hold of you, is this san diego is it they can be in san francisco can they be in new york how do they charter with you how does somebody find you uh what how does how does that all work so we operate globally um as long as it's not in a war zone and i have a long enough runway to land on i can get you to anywhere you want to go um wow. a lot of people reach out to me on instagram um just because numerous podcasts that we do they're like i'd rather talk to you and i like to keep that door open up Talk to the owner of the company. You don't need to go talk to my salespeople. I mean, they'll they'll be the ones who are helping you out throughout there, but I'll be there along the way too if you want me to be. Um, so you can reach out to me directly, Instagram, um, at Mike Howard 3 um, I'm on Facebook. I don't use Facebook too often. I use that for a lot of family stuff. Um, where else? You can find us on our website at, or sorry, the number 2jetset.com, www.2jetset.com. You can type in your information on there and I can get you a quote right away. Uh, salesperson will reach out as well but yeah man if people ever have questions i love it i've answered 30 to 40 questions a day just in my dms um my phone's always on so in in our industry it's 24 7 i sleep with my phone right there on my chest right there next to me it's on loud but my my family knows if the phone's ringing at 2 a.m it's uh someone needs something yeah, yeah someone definitely needs something Dude, this is awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, dude. And I think that this is an angle that other people, especially as business owners, there's this next little thing where they're like, okay, I want to get to the next level. And I think that kind of chartering planes and, you know, playing the world, the world game um, is something that people always wanted to do. I, I appreciate this, man. This was an awesome podcast, man. Um, was fun, I'll, I'll definitely have to have to bring you back and maybe we'll do some war stories and and share some, sure. some other stories on. But, um, dude, this is awesome, man. I appreciate you being on another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolve podcast. That was awesome, man. Sweet, man. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. This was another incredible episode. We did so much on this. We went from gyms, we went to jerseys, and then we ended up with the awesome chartering of planes. So Mike, thanks a lot, man. And anybody else that watched this episode, make sure you like and subscribe. Also go back. There's amazing other entrepreneurs that are on here. This is something like episode 85 or so. So we're on a run. So I appreciate you, Mike. And thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.